Engaging presentations on the most urgent problem of our day and what you can do about it. Now, the End Abortion Podcast by Priests for Life. We are one movement, one people, one family, and one glorious nation under God. And together, we will make America powerful again. We will make America wealthy again. We will make America strong again. We will make America proud again. And we will make America great again. Well, hi, friends. Pro-Life leader Frank Pavone here. Thanks for joining me here on Praying for America. So I want to share with you a scripture which is one of the most important messages for the saving of America. I want to tell you about a special event I'm at tonight, actually, in Washington, D.C. And then I want to share with you uh, some more about Mark Levin's book, The Democrat Party Hates America. So it's um, one of the most important passages of Scripture, especially nowadays, if we're going to get back to the truth of God on which our country was founded. Go to Genesis Genesis chapter 2, starting with verse 18. Then the Lord God said, It is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. So out of the ground the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every bird of the heavens and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called every living creature, that was its name. The man gave names to all livestock and the birds of the heavens and to every beast of the field. But for Adam there was not found a helper fit for him. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man. And while he slept, took one of his ribs and closed up its place with flesh. And the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into a woman and brought her to the man. Then the man said, This at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, because she was taken out of man. Therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife. They shall become one flesh. Let us pray. Lord God, in Jesus Christ, the spouse, the bridegroom of your church, you have taught us that the marriage between you, O God, and humanity, between Christ and his church, is what every marriage foreshadows, what every marriage points to. We thank you, Lord, for the fidelity that you have for your people and that your people as a whole, although we are individually all sinners, But your people as a whole, as your bride, have for you this fidelity cannot be broken between God and humanity, between Christ and his spouse. And we thank you, Lord, for the fruitfulness that you give life every time your word is preached, every time the waters of baptism are poured. Lord God, we thank you that that fruitfulness between you and your people is a sign of the fruitfulness that every marriage is called to be open to. We thank you, Lord, and we ask you that we in our culture and in our laws 
will always protect this gift of marriage. For as the families are strong, so the nation will be strong. We pray in the name of Jesus the Lord. Amen. Well, I want to share with you tonight a segment of my commentary you may have missed, or else it's good seeing again, about the nuclear family and the attack of the Democrat Party on the nuclear family, part of their attack on America. But why am I uh, doing that here tonight? Well, I'm in Washington, D.C. at a very special event where I'm being honored, actually. It's an event where our new Speaker of the House is present and Christian lawmakers from around the country. I'm going to tell you more about it once I'm back. But it's the National Association of Christian Lawmakers. I am on their advisory board, and they are doing such tremendous work and witness to defending in law truths like the nuclear family, truths like the dignity of marriage, truths like the sanctity of human life. So I uh, am uh, looking forward to sharing with you more details of that very special uh, evening, this very special evening in Washington. But meanwhile, let me bring you now this clip about this important book and what he says about the Democrats' attack on the nuclear family. We are one movement, one people, one family, and one glorious nation under God. Let me uh, continue on some of the points uh, we've been seeing in this chapter about the nuclear family. We saw themes here of unlimited abortion, the redefinition of gender, and uh, all that other kind of nonsense. But he goes in here to uh, point out the Democrats' responsibility for uh, this uh, harm done to our children as a result of masking, all the mandatory masks. And, you know, and we know that this is a bad thing, but we've got to buttress our knowledge with some, some statistics. This book is very helpful. Thousands of facts in here. Let me read from here. The Daily Mail reported results showed the early learning composite mean result dropped by 23%. This is for children who uh, were masked a deleterious effect on their, on their education. Dropped from a high of just under 100 in 2019 to around 80 in 2020 and 77 in 2021. That's the learning composite uh, mean result. The verbal development quotient, another statistic of education, dropped dramatically from an average of 100 in 2018 to just below 90 in 2020 and around 70 in 2021. Nonverbal development quotient experienced a similar dip. Or now 2019, a mean score of around 105, then down to 100 in 2020, and around 80 in 2021. The numbers don't lie. It's not just, oh, we don't like masking, or oh, we don't, we have an instinctive sense that it's not a good idea. No, the statistics bear it out. Masks worn in public settings and in school or daycare centers may impact a range of early developing skills such as attachment, facial processing, and socio-emotional processing. We need to see each other's faces is what it boils down to. Children need to see each other's faces and they need to see our faces. So much is communicated through the face. 
It's not just communicated through the, through the ears. What we hear is communicated through the face, not just through the hands. You know, in, in, in this, in this uh, whole process, parents, and again, we see the, 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 the disregard here for family, had little or nothing to say in any of these decisions where their children were so severely impacted by this, this masking and these, uh, and these mandates. We fell in to this, to this condition where if medical professionals didn't fall in line with exactly what the state said about the China virus, maybe by those medical professionals questioning vaccine shots or masks, they, they had their careers and their licenses threatened. This is, remember the dominant theme in this book, the Democrat Party just wanting to amass permanent power to itself, and therefore you, you have any kind of freedom of thought or speech subsumed into it's the messaging of the state. And any kind of media, any kind of freedom of the press submerged into, no, you have a state media because you have a state party, because you have a state message, because you have a state thought program. All of it subsumed under the power of the state. That's the Democrat Party. And that's in its, at its core the essence of it hating and destroying America. No more freedom of, of expression or press or, or religion for that matter. No, it's all subsumed. I had to write hundreds and hundreds, and I gladly did it, hundreds and hundreds of letters that people needed in order to assert their own right of being exempt from a lot of these vaccine mandates. I wrote them because... We also have a problem here with the churches that they didn't stand up for conscience and for not only certain Democrat governors and, and other government officials, but, 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 but churches failed to stand up. And, and many people came to me saying their priest or their, their pastor wouldn't write them a letter that affirmed their faith as they asked for that religious exemption from these mandates. So I gladly wrote them. Uh, together with a number of other uh, number of other pastors. Okay, another problem, of course, we see the attack of the Democrat Party on the nuclear family is what happened in the classrooms and what's continuing to happen with the indoctrination of Marxist lies about race and racism. The idea that you are destined to succeed or fail in this country because of the color of your skin, because of your racial background, or that you are locked into being, by your DNA, a racist. You know, here's, the, here's, the, here's an interesting contradiction, and I want to tell you how the, also how this contradicts the Christian gospel. But, you know, this critical race theory and these lies and this indoctrination is meant to, to say to people, you know, you don't have a choice. If, if, you're, if you're white, you, you are a racist. Now, in the Christian gospel, we say, you know what? You know, racism is, there is such a thing as the sin of racism, although where that's authentically the case, it gets buried under all this 
uh, uh, free invoking of racism for any, any superficial reason that I want just because I disagree with somebody. And then therefore the damage that's done is that you, you, you're, you're heaping all this garbage on top of the concept of racism. And then it becomes very hard to find the real racism where it is. But let's say somebody is guilty, really guilty of the sin of, of racism. You can repent. The Christian gospel says no matter what your sins are, like the prophet Isaiah, though your sins be like scarlet, they may become white as wool. And the Lord says, come now, let us set things right. Let us reason together. Cease doing evil, learn to do good, do justice, right? This is what the prophet Isaiah says in the first chapter of his prophecy. And if it weren't possible to repent of sin, John the Baptist wouldn't come along proclaiming repentance. Jesus wouldn't say, repent and believe in the gospel. Peter wouldn't say at Pentecost after they asked him, what must we do now, brothers? And he said, repent of your sins. Inherent, integral to the gospel of Jesus Christ is the fact that we can repent. Okay, so having said that, isn't it a a cruel irony that these Marxist liars in the Democrat Party and with these policies say to our children, you're locked into racism. I mean, you're just, it's just who you are. Systemic racism, white supremacy, racism. You're racist. And you can't even change that. And yet, if you want to change from being male to female or female to male, or male and female into one of hundreds of other weird kinds of categories, you can do that. So let me get this straight. If I don't want to be a man anymore, I'm free to change. But if I don't want to be a racist anymore, I'm not free to change. How's that supposed to work? This is part of the, the indoctrination. And not only about race in terms of myself, but also in terms of my country. They're being taught to hate America. The history of America is being redefined for them to say that, you know, our basis is in racism. Now, you know, when we teach the history of America, like President Trump introduced patriotic education, let's not forget about, uh, about that and the patriotic education, the 1776 project. We're talking about an honest assessment of our nation. We don't hide our nation's faults and failures. My goodness, those of us in the pro-life movement, we're talking about the greatest moral evil of all time and the abortion of children. And yeah, our nation has fallen into that trap. We've gotten scarred deeply by allowing abortion in our midst, although we've started to correct that. But the point about the greatness of America is that we have that rock foundation in those principles, in our declaration, those unalienable rights. Plus we have the system by which, as we saw with the overturning of Roe v. Wade, we can correct grave mistakes. We can correct problems, moral problems, in which we have fallen deeply and that have wounded us dramatically and that have set us far apart from the, the ways of God. And yet, As part of the greatness of this nation, we've got an anchor in those fundamental principles that doesn't get any better, couldn't possibly get any better than saying we are all created equal. 
We have the, the, the right to life from our Creator. Governments exist to secure those rights? doesn't get any better than that. What concept could possibly get better than that when you talk about human rights and the purpose of government? You can't. We, we, that, that brings us to the point of, as far as principle goes, complete perfection. Now, in human nature, we're always going to fall short of that. But the greatness of our country is that we, we've got an anchor. We've got a, we've got a guiding star there. That defines who we are as a nation. We're defined not by geography, not by ethnicity, by principles. Principles that are truly American and that continue to be a beacon, not only for Americans to constantly, again, repent and go back to those principles, but for the whole world to come to us, which is why more people are coming to our country than to anywhere else. Although, it's not because of principle that we now see these invaders coming across our border. That's a whole separate thing, as we know. All right. The hypocrisy, Mark writes here, of the Democrat Party in opposing school choice is another attack on the family. Listen, parents are the primary educators of their children. We talked about this the other night. And that, that's, that needs to translate into their freedom, including the economic freedom, to educate their children the way they, they decide is best. They know their, their children. Parents know their children best of anybody. And if they want to homeschool them, or if they, because they want to pass on their faith to them, want to work with other people of their own faith to pass along that faith via a religious school, they need to have, or some other kind of private school that has higher standards in different ways, they can't be trapped, and President Trump has said this so many times in his rallies, into, into sending their children to failed government schools. And school choice is not, oh, you can choose among just whichever public school you want. You can choose what you want, and they shouldn't be financially penalized for doing that. Of course, the Democrat Party opposes school choice deeply. The only explanation, brothers and sisters, is the hatred for parental rights and for family. But there's a hypocrisy here that Mark points out. Who have either attended private schools among these Democrat elite Marxists, or sent one or more of their children to them, or both? Well, here's the list. Barack Obama, Pete Buttigieg, Beto O'Rourke. You know, I feel like I have to even clean out my mouth after I say these names. These are such disgusting people. Gavin Newsom, J.B. Pritzker, hey, Pritzker, gone on any diets lately? I don't know who's worse, him or, or Chris Christie. Elizabeth Warren, Nancy Pelosi, Joe Biden. Please, please let me wash out my mouth. But these people, the hypocrisy. They've all either attended private schools or sent one or more of their children to them. Well, yeah. <laughs> yep. They don't care about hypocrisy, by the way. It's about power. We have the power. We're going to do whatever we want. Doesn't care. Hell with you. Then we have another phenomenon going on that Mark points out here, not something that we think of a lot, or if you're part of this, you do. The abolishing of the suburbs. Anti-suburban radicals work to let these big cities fatten up their tax base. Once progressives discovered it had since become illegal for a city to annex its surrounding suburbs without voter consent, 
They cooked up a strategy that would amount to the same thing. And Mark goes into this in, in detail. Very interesting segment of this particular chapter. They want to federalize the suburbs, most of which are largely uh, Republican, so that they can do what? Impose a Marxist agenda on these communities, just like they have on the major metropolitan areas, and bring them under their control. This is a deliberate uh, strategy being carried out. They are unleashing a regulatory war against American suburbs. The Biden administration, I'm quoting here from Mark's book, intends to dictate zoning, housing development, locations of community centers, parks, athletic fields, libraries, bus stops, and all other lifestyle decisions in suburban America. Now, of course, we who love the Constitution and know the Constitution and love freedom are going to ask the next logical question that Mark asks here. Where does this authority come from? The Constitution confers on the national government very limited and specifically defined powers. You talk about zoning issues, and that's left to the local municipalities and the states. And they're not the federal government telling you where bus stops are supposed to be. And, and, and yet, you know, if we don't read, this is why it's so important to read through this, because if we don't, we, we end up, I mean, we're all paying attention to so many different things. We end up taking this stuff for granted. Oh, okay, all right, well, the government says this or that has to. No, they, they don't get to say that. They don't get to say that. Then, of course, he goes into another whole theme, the soft-on-crime policies that have wreaked havoc in, the, in, in, in so many cities in America. And let me just get you a statistic 27 of the top 30 cities, 27 out of 30, with the highest murder rates, this is as of June of last year, were run by Democrat mayors. Oh, it's no surprise to us. But again, that's a statistic, you, you, you know, it's good to be able to quote to your friends when we're talking about this. Yeah, Democrat Party hates America. They're destroying our cities. You don't think that, 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 that the knowledge is available? I take a lesson from Mayor Giuliani and the reforms he instituted in New York. They worked to clean up that city from crime. Fourteen of the 30 cities with these higher murder rates have George Soros, again, please give me something for my, for my mouth, or Soros-inspired rogue prosecutors. I mean, this is... Now, who is being murdered at a higher rate than others? Young black teenagers. Now, black youth between the ages of 10 and 17 were killed 11 times the rate of white youth in 2020. But virtually none of those black deaths was protested by Black Lives Matter activists because the victims were killed overwhelmingly, not by the police and not by whites, but by other blacks. Now, for us who are Christian patriots, the killing of a life is the killing of a life. You speak up, you try to stop that, you're grieved by that. But this didn't advance their narrative of lethal white supremacy. So they're not going to protest it. 
You had a black teenager killing a black teenager. Listen, that's as much of a tragedy as anybody killing anybody. But no, 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 they're not going to bring attention to that. It doesn't advance their narrative. They're more interested in the narrative than the life. They're more interested in their politics than in humanity. And this is, this is what we have to keep exposing. Because it's disgusting. And it says, yeah, yeah they, do, they do hate America. All they want to do is promote a narrative. They don't want to discuss in summation, the nuclear biological family because they don't believe in it. They just don't believe in it. All right. Let me see here one other thing in this chapter. The Democrat Party's policies, Mark goes on to say, are purposely destructive of American opportunity, prosperity, and the middle class lifestyle. Let me just read a paragraph here. From blocking pipelines for oil transport and federal oil leases to preventing mining of critical materials, all of which are essential for fueling and maintaining a dynamic, growing, and prosperous economy today and into the future, Biden and the Democrat Party and the American Marxists are destroying an advanced industrial society that took generations of American know-how entrepreneurship, research and development, private capital and sweat to build. It takes a few years of Democrat Party policies to tear down what took more than two centuries to erect. Biden and the Democrat Party seek to ban or significantly regulate essential products that most of us have come to rely on for maintaining, if not improving, our quality of life. Gas stoves. Vehicles that run on gasoline, combustion engines, and incandescent light bulbs. The Democrats are making these more expensive and even unaffordable. Uh, new home air conditioning units, window air conditioners, portable air cleaners, ovens, clothes washers, refrigerators, dishwashers, and automobiles. It's difficult to see how eliminating incandescent light bulbs will save even one life. But it's all being done via executive branch orders and regulations. Congress has not voted for any of this. And then you want to look at the control that they want to exercise. Remember, these Democrats, they always want to stoke fear in people so that then government power can come along and say, all right, we're going to rescue you from the thing you're afraid of. So they stoke the fear so that they can keep the power. This is this, we gotta be wise to this strategy and teach others to recognize it. Once you recognize it, you won't forget it because then you'll see it being repeated day after day in the headlines. They stoke the fear so that they can then swoop in as the saviors. Final quotes. Just like the response to the COVID-19 pandemic, now more broadly, to climate change as mankind's existential threat. The pathology of the health scare works like this. An event occurs, uh, government agencies declare an emergency. They identify a frightening new health risk. 
Urgent predictions are made by cherry-picked experts that the media accept without skepticism or independent investigation and turn into a cacophony of fear. Public officials next clamor to demonstrate that they are taking steps to ameliorate the dangers and new laws are enacted and regulations promulgated to limit the public's exposure to the new risk. What they're doing is eliminating the public's freedom. Democrat Party hates America. We are one movement, one people, one family, and one glorious nation under God. And together, we will make... So, friends, it's urgent, it's serious, it requires so much prayer for people to rediscover what the family is and why we need to defend it. Let's turn to the Lord again. And ask him, as we pray the prayer that Jesus taught us, to bring about in the minds and hearts of all Americans a respect, an understanding, a love, and a willingness to defend the family, key to saving our nation. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. God bless you, friends. Looking forward to talk to you soon. Hello, this is Father David Begany. Like many priests, I am inspired and always learning from the ministry of Priests for Life which is one of the largest and most visible pro-life organizations in the world. This ministry relies on your financial support to be able to do its work, produce its programs, and travel the world to advocate for the unborn. May I ask you to support Priests for Life generously? Go today to prolifegift.org and give as generous a gift as you can. Thank you so much and be assured of our daily prayers for you. This has been the End Abortion Podcast. To learn more, to help end abortion, and to connect with us on social media, visit endabortion.net.